0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit derekgreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer.
1: Scripture says, now the Word of the Lord. This is the formula in which most of the prophetic books of the Bible begin. It was the Word of the Lord that qualified an individual to stand in the prophetic office. But the word of the Lord was also the highest possible form of communication between God and any human being. And scripture says now the word of the Lord came to a man named Jonah, the son of Amittai. Has God ever asked you to do something you didn't want to do? Okay, the first service tried to lie. No one was like, no, just you, Bishop. No. I have been there, and I think if you walk with the Lord for any length of time. There's going to come a point where he asks you to do something you don't want to do. That's really when submission begins, by the way, when you disagree. You know, Faith is the ability to maintain a good attitude even when God's taking you in a direction you don't like. You know, often the God-given directions that hurt most are the ones that also teach us the most. So God knows where his prophet is. He also knows where Nineveh is. And he you know, uses divine calculation and says, you know what? I'm going to speak to Nineveh, but I'm also going to speak to my people through this prophet. And God knows how to, how to deal with both sides of every equation. And he said to, to Jonah, go to what? Nineveh, arise. Now, if you're not familiar with the history at this time, you're probably not because we're a thousand of years removed. But the short of it is... The Assyrians or Nineveh, in particular, they were rivals to the Israelis or Israel. And how many of you know it's easy to bless an ally, but but what about folks that are a threat? That that that's a whole different situation. You know what? I've learned in my life, perhaps you know you're super special, but but in my life I find that everyone loves me until the day I'm perceived as competition, and that's just real. Folks can love you until you become a threat. And that's the moment the challenges begin. And so, so what happened here is, is the prophet Jonah was sent to a people that were perceived as a threat, people that, that, that were going up as they were going down. But let me, let me read on. The Bible then speaks of Nineveh as that great city. Now, Jerusalem was, you know, the great city of God. And for the Bible to call Nineveh a great city was significant. And what God's saying is, is in this day, the city was, was on the rise. Now, Israel had been on decline because of uh, idolatry for many years now. But uh, Nineveh, now you remember Nimrod? Now, he founded Nineveh some years earlier, but hundreds of years had, had passed. And Nineveh had become an incredibly warlike power, 500 miles uh, away from uh, Israel uh, on the Tigris uh, River. And, and it became an emerging world power and uh, you know no one minds you doing well as long as you just don't do better than them so so, so you got to understand the national pride here he's going to minister his god to a people that he feels is is competing with his nation and he said jonah i want you to cry against that that city the short of it is he was saying to to jonah i want you to preach with passion conviction to the people i send you to you see i have learned if you won't cry at my funeral i really don't care what you have to say about my life there's a saying people want to know how much you care before you tell them how much you know and what god wanted the prophet to do was communicate his heart you see you could take the message of the gospel but treats it with the wrong heart. Okay, you say, I don't know. Remember in uh, the temptation, Satan quoting scriptures. He quoted scriptures. So it was, the, it was the right truth with the wrong spirit. And then ultimately, Jesus rebuked him. So, so what the, the, the scripture is dealing with, God is saying, listen, I want you to cry out against this city for its wickedness has come up before me. Now, the Ninevites were particularly cruel and and brutal people. They impaled adversaries on poles. This was uh, stage one of what the cross would become. Uh, The the, the Romans perfected the the art of of impalement. The Ninevites would skin people alive. I mean, you know, they they would fillet people and then have them walk home just to let you know you don't want to mess with the Ninevites because they'll do the same to you. They'd amputate hands and and gouge out eyes, and, and here's the deal. If the Ninevites were left unchecked, as they were rising to become a major world power, much of the Middle East would also have to experience uh, their wrath. So so God had to check this before uh, it impacted uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of of people. But in verse 3, it says, God gave him a, a set of directions. But Jonah, who's supposed to be a prophet, now he's a prophet, but he arose to flee to Tarshish. What was going on here? Jonah didn't want to ruin his reputation with his countrymen by going to a place he didn't really want to go or to a people he didn't really like. And some, you got to be careful about this reputation thing. You know, he, he didn't like the people, but the biggest issue is, Lord, you're going to mess me up. Now if I go and cause revival with the enemies of Israel, no one's going to invite me back to their church. Now no one's going to want to hear me prophesy, they're going to call me a traitor. He was more concerned about his reputation than God's. So he arose and he fled to Tarshish. Instead of traveling the 500 miles to to the Tigris, he started a journey 2,500 miles towards Spain, opposite direction, but watch the saddest part of this verse? Again, don't judge him because we often do the same thing. He didn't like the Lord's instruction, so he ran. But watch what he ran from. He ran from the presence of the Lord. You see, it wasn't that Jonah didn't love the Lord at all. The issue is he didn't love him enough. And the challenge in our lives is not that we don't love the Lord, but often we don't love him enough to lay down reputation to lay down my little petty grudge to, to lay down my racism, to lay down my prejudices. I only want to be in an environment with people like me that agree with me because after all, I'm wonderful. <laughs> and this was the mentality of the prophet. But here's something I know. Resentment always hurts you more than the people you resent. And scripture says, Jonah went down Joppa. notice every step away from God's will will always lead you down and he found a ship going to Tarshish that you can rent a boat you you can uh, get in your car you could fly on an airplane you, you can even move to another state. you know what I've tried each of these things to get away from the Word of God in my life but here's the deal No matter what you do, you cannot make God forget the things he told you. Watch this next verse. He paid the fare. It's costly to run from God. You waste your money. You waste your time. And we're going to find a little bit later in this this, this narrative, you can even jeopardize uh, the lives of those you love that are around you. And he went down again. Notice he keeps going down into it. Here's the question. How far do you have to go down before you realize what's up? And he went down into it to go with them. Now, many of the scholars say that Jonah was, was part of the school of the prophets before he ran from the Lord. But to feel more comfortable with his sin and and his biases and, and all the rest, he had to change his companions. Show me the company you keep, and I'll show you your future. If you keep surrounding yourself with clowns, don't be surprised you end up in the center of a circus. Stay with me. I'll cut first, okay? But we'll be stronger. And he went down into it to go with them from, here's a prophet, he's leaving the presence of the Lord. What would you leave the presence of the Lord for? I've watched people walk away from God because of what some person five foot tall did. Because of what some silly preacher might have said. I mean, if you really experience his presence, is it really possible? that some human being can give you an excuse cause enough? I mean, if you really, really love him, if you really, really love his presence, why are we so easily you know, discouraged and distracted from keeping the main thing, the main thing? The reality is, wherever you have people, you're gonna have problems. And that's why Jesus said. He said, he, he, he said, listen, I know it's gonna be a hardship, But if two of you gather together in my name, if you could get over the hurdles that keep you apart, if you could just, you know, a lot of us say, well, I have my own personal relationship with God, and I appreciate that and respect that, but let me tell you something, you ain't doing much with it. (laughs) You know, I can pick up maybe, I don't know, 250 pounds, okay, let's just say (laughs) But you know, me and Arthur together, we could probably pick up 700 pounds. The point is, you being by yourself has cost you strength. There is a strength when we come together. When you add your heart to my heart, your dollar to my dollar, your commitment to my commitment, your love to my love, we can do so much more than we can do singularly. But many of us caught up in my own relationship with God, but if you really loved him. Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player I think ever. I know some of you might argue, but he could not have won those games by himself. It took Scottie Pippen. It took the guy with all the stuff on him. (laughs) It took all of them to win. And as spiritual and as holy and as righteous as you might be, if you've not become part of an assembly, part of a community, you have not really engaged your gifts and you've not maximized what Jesus died to accomplish on earth. And he went down in it from the presence of the Lord. We can run from God, we can run to God. But the best choice is always to run with God. Verse four says something. It says, but the Lord, this is one of my favorite statements in all of scripture. The New Testament says it this way, but God. Watch this, Romans 5 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man, one will die. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Watch this, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. no temptation has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear. So yeah, the temptation is real, but my God is real. Ephesians 2 and verse 3, a little long, but listen. Among whom also we all, does it say what? All. All. So stop acting like you were born of a virgin. (laughs) All of us have done some dirt. All of us. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by what nature? I could change my behavior, but I could never change my nature. Meaning that if we were by nature children of wrath, we were absolutely doomed with no hope in this world. And then it says, just as others, watch this, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sin he raised us together uh, with Christ here's the deal all those things were true until God stuck his big butt into our situation but God you know society may say you'll never amount anything but God says you know what you are more than a what conqueror your mom and your mama man said, "You know what? You just like your daddy." How many? Okay. But God says, "Now call me father." Yeah. Your ex-husband, your ex-wife may have left you, but God says, "I'll never leave you nor forsake you." But God. The message of the Gospel can be summarized in those two words, but God. I was a mess going somewhere to happen, but God. Couldn't pay my bills, but God. Confused in my mind, but God. Sick in my body, but God. My marriage broke down, but God. Had no future, no hope, but God. That's the Gospel. Come on, give it up to him just a little bit. Give it up to him just a little bit. But God, but God, but God, gonna lose my mind, but God, gonna kill somebody, but God, didn't know what to do, but but God, but God, but God, but God, but God, hallelujah, but God. My kid was crazy, but God. My wife. No, just joking, honey. (laughs) But God. But God.
0: You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Remember, you can access this teaching and more for free. At gracechurchva.org. The desire for personal and professional development is a characteristic of successful leaders. It's the desire for growth and to serve with excellence that makes a great leader. The pathway to becoming a better leader isn't always easy. Busy schedules, finding proven resources, and networking with like minded individuals can be challenging and time consuming. If this sounds familiar, check out the Renaissance Leadership Network, where you will connect to a dynamic group of peers. Find premium resources and expertise from time-tested world-class leaders to help propel you towards your leadership goals. Best of all, the Renaissance Leadership Network offers ISet Continuing Education Units for its learning events that comply with the ANSI ISet Continuing Education and Training Standard. For more information, go to rlnleadership.com and learn more about membership benefits designed to take you to the next level of leadership. While you are there, be sure to register for the next online leadership session. Let's get back to today's message. Jonah 1 4. But God, the
1: Lord, sent out a great wind on the sea. You know, the storm in your life might be God trying to tell you something. And there was a mighty, not a light, but a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up, you might wonder what happened in that relationship? What happened on my last job? But sometimes God has to let the things we hide in break up in order for us to discover who it is we really need to trust. Sometimes good things have to fall apart for better things to come together in our lives. Then the mariners, these were seamen. These were not men easily frightened. They, they, they were familiar with storms, but this was a special storm. They were afraid. And every man, every single one of them, I mean, this is how serious it was, cried out to his God, there are no atheists in foxholes. And when it gets bad enough, even the skeptics start talking about God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship in the sea to lighten the loads. Or the load. So, you see, the sailors were doing everything they could to, to survive here. But Jonah had gone down. He just keeps going down when you walk away from God's presence, that's all that's gonna happen. He kept walking down into the lowest part of the ship. Now, when you run from God, you'll actually surprise yourself with how low you could go. You know, I'm under no illusion that under this suit is just flesh and blood. And if I don't stay connected to my source, If I don't stay connected to my strength, if I don't remember where my help comes from, I can end up just like everybody else doing all the nonsense. You hear what I'm saying? If I dare forget. And some of the reasons that some of us are doing something, you forgot. You forgot. You say, well, I, I could do it myself. I could do it on my own. Pride comes before a fall. According to scripture, you're on your way like Jonah, prophet by office, but he was still going down. And he had laid down, got comfortable with down, and he was fast asleep. Yes, how could Jonah sleep in the middle of such an incredible storm? Maybe... Because the storm outside of him paled in comparison to the storm that was raging on the inside of him. No one is more miserable than the person who knows better. So the captain is an unbeliever, is a heathen, is a guy who had many gods, rebuked the prophet. He came to him. He said, what do you mean, sleeper? How can you sleep when those around you are in such danger? I feel like this is also a message to the church. I mean, the storm is raging. Families are being ripped apart. Kids are killing them. All types of things are going on. But we have our five-point messages. We have our order of service. We have a little bitty offering. Everyone, you know, shakes hands and leaves, but goes back to sleep. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But this storm was created to wake Jonah up. Sometimes I feel like the storm in culture is designed to poke that sleeping bear called the church. And God is saying, as loud as it is out there, how is it you're so messed up on the inside that you can't hear? How could you sleep through such circumstances? So the captain said, why is the church sleeping? Why is it just business as usual? Where are the prayer meetings? Where are the mothers calling out to God? Why aren't the daddies going into the crack houses? Why aren't we taking back our streets? Why are we so afraid to share this gospel? Why does the church sleep? The church is saying, God, why is this storm so bad? God says, why do you sleep? And then they said, come, let us cast lots that we may know for who this trouble has come upon us. It's important. God can even make a false system work to reach his own children.
0: You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.